Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. That's me. And today we're continuing our four-year consideration series with Crip Camp, a documentary that Carolyn is going to give us the synopsis for, if you can give a synopsis for this. I mean, it has one. So, uh, Crip Camp, directed um, and written by James Lebrecht and Nicole Noonham, down the road from Woodstock. A revolution blossomed at a ramshackle summer camp for teenagers with disabilities, transforming their lives and igniting a landmark movement. I did not know that it was down the road from Woodstock. <laughs> no, me neither. It makes more sense with the music now, I guess. Well, and also with the haircuts. Oh, well, I just figured that was the era. <laughs> and the vibe. Uh, it also James is also in the movie as well. He yes. is one of the campers that went to this camp. And yes. he also was a part of the protest. I Was he? I didn't remember really seeing him there in that footage, but I assume he was there. I'm not sure. I think he was also a bit younger than a lot of the other people that we saw because the main people that we saw in the protests um, was one of them was Judy. And she was a counselor. So she was, I think, 23 as a counselor. And James was 15. So he would have been like a bit younger than than maybe some of the people that were involved in the um, the protest. True, but that also, I mean, the stuff at the camp is the mid-70s, early 70s, late 60s? Late 60s. It started in the 60s, and then we moved to 71, 73, that sort of thing, when we're moving out of the camp. Yeah, and obviously, when it gets to that point that they're adults, they all have lives, I assume some not all of them could stay for all of that time because they had jobs that they needed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and since he was more capable of... A, of being like accepted by society, I guess, mm -hmm. considering he was what his. I don't know his specific disability, but he I, uh, he was like classes. Okay, yeah, thank you. So yeah, who knows with his life? I just didn't remember seeing him in that footage. And he might have also like wanted to remove himself that, so it didn't seem like he was just making a movie about himself, which I think is a good thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, I didn't realize that he was the director because it didn't feel like, why is this guy in it so much? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, he did a good job. That's always the danger with documentaries when the filmmaker puts themselves on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, it is it's very much like, is this just about you? But I think he does a good job. And since he has like a co-director as well, I'm sure that helps. And somebody else to help, mm -hmm. you know, balance that. But during, it becomes way more about Jean, Jeannie. Which one's that? Uh the 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 woman who decided who like uh, was leading the protest it judy. essentially judy sorry judy there's a uh, yeah yeah judy it, it becomes like her she is like the face that is put to like the movement mm -hmm. in the second half of the movie uh but i ver i en enjoy this film i don't really know i think it's a good documentary i don't think it's a great one see i thought it was i thought it was really good i i think it was really interesting because I didn't know much about it beyond that there was this camp for kids with disabilities or teenagers with disabilities. But I love that it's like you don't necessarily know it's going to become about like a revolution, if you will. I mean, I think it's the subtitle of the movie. But beyond that, you don't know that it's going to become that like because it starts out kind of personal stories. So we're we're learning about the camp like it's a celebration of the camp. And we're like, OK, cool. This is a really cool camp. Seems kind of ahead of its times. Um, though I guess the 60s and 70s was kind of like a weird era. For... It did seem like it was ahead of its time. Right? Yeah. And um, yeah, it was kind of like the, the hippie generation, right? So it's 
it's celebration of the camp, but it's also personal stories. We get to hear about people's upbringings and their lives and everything like that. And then it becomes kind of a discussion of the times and the political climate, like still within the camp. But it also spent time just letting these campers be campers, you know, like playing music, playing sports. Like we actually just get to see them hanging out um, and having and a good time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad they spent time on that. And then it moves into the political movement and stuff like that. And you realize how important this camp was for um, fostering that sense of community that made that made the people that are at the camp feel comfortable doing these protests basically so i kind of liked the the transition of the movie how it did that oh i i agree i think that was very well handled and it you understand and like these can't like camps like this should exist now is that people Mm -hmm. should be able to have a place where it is their community and they can all go and hang out and have Mm -hmm. fun essentially and like free from the the prejudices of the rest of the world Mm mm-hmm and it allows them to, like you said, like foster relationships and uh, a community that can, as this shows, like results in change finally happening. Yeah. Uh, also, like specifically with this a community of individuals with disabilities, and the movie points this out, is like when the rest of their lives, like every interaction, they're always othered. Mm-hmm. They're always like everything is like they're there. And it's since a lot of them are physical disabilities, it's like it's like immediately visible to everybody Mm -hmm. else as well so they have it is it is constantly they're constantly reminded of that fact and then when they have this space you could see like they have this the community where like that isn't an issue and they even point out like which i actually liked that they put in the movie is like separate from this camp there's like a hierarchy in um the individuals with disabilities community is like there's like the polio kids at the top Mm -hmm. Yep. And then all the way down at the bottom is cerebral palsy. But at this camp that didn't really exist, mm-hmm. I'm sure it did to some point because it's a camp with teenagers. But yeah. it it was like that was removed and they all just interacted with each other. And what I really appreciated about like the camp specifically is that they also had they had counselors who were uh, non-disabled and they also had counselors who were disabled. That's the thing. This kind of camp would never exist now because it would <laughs> all be about like this is so 60s, 70s. Now it would all be about like these counselors who kind of talk to you like this and they're really convincing the parents that this is the perfect place for your kid and we'll take care of them and blah, 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 blah. This was a bunch of kids thrown together and it was like, meh, they'll figure it out. And like, it is fascinating that some of the counselors had no experience with folks with disabilities. <laughs> and that one guy, he's like, yeah. it was a job. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, but yeah, but they also had counselors who had uh, disabilities and some of them more significant than others and stuff. But that didn't, what I loved is that like, I don't know. Everyone seemed to actually have a voice. Like there's that fascinating conversation between Nancy and Steve, the counselor. Mm -hmm. And first off, I love that they're sitting in camp, like having discussions about real things. It, it actually shows that like, okay, the revolutions that happen later, they really do start in this camp. Like they're sitting around talking around the campfire, basically about like real life issues, you know, not just hanging out and playing baseball. Um, so that's cool. And it shows how important it is to have that shared experience in that community. But also, yeah, so Steve and Nancy are talking and the director is like holding the microphone to Nancy. And I was sitting there being like, I don't know what Nancy is saying. And they weren't putting subtitles on either, which kind of implied that maybe they also couldn't understand what Nancy was saying, but that didn't matter. It's not, no, Nancy, you don't get to have the microphone. Nancy got to say her full piece. 
into the microphone, gets exactly as much respect as everyone else. And the thing that's so interesting is like Steve understood what she was saying and, you know, said it in different words. And like they're they're having this dialogue that wouldn't be able to take place anywhere other than here. Yeah. Yeah, I love that scene, partly because also it's like you kind of it's like once Steve tells you what Nancy is saying, it was like, oh, I kind of got that from what she was saying, even though I could not understand her words. Yeah. But when he says it, it was like, oh, that was kind of where I was going anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Not with like the specific issue, like not with the specific topic she was talking about, but like she's obviously she was frustrated in that moment. And like you get that and then you move on. But I also the movie also does that as well, is that instead of just focusing on people uh, like James and Judy, mm-hmm. um, they also spend time with other with other with people with different disabilities. Like they have a couple that is has cerebral palsy that are very capable, mm-hmm. and also like incredibly Neil funny. Neil and Denise, right? <laughs> I love them so much. Well, but see, They're that's so what funny. I love too. Is like later on, we don't really see them involved in the protests or anything. But when they when they're telling their stories, they do have their own little quiet revolution and subverting what people expect of them like the fact that we have um i've already forgotten her name denise um and she's telling a story about how she was proud to get an sti because it means that she was doing something that people had said that she wouldn't be able to do or no one would want to do with her or that sort of thing that in itself is a quiet revolution right yeah She's incredibly intelligent, Denise mm-hmm. as well. Like mm-hmm. she's really, really smart. When when uh she was like describing this to her, I was like, Oh, this woman is very intelligent. I bet she's a writer. And then it's revealed at the end that she's a writer. Oh well, yeah. Like, she and just she talks that like, way. A sex um like she takes her masters in like sex whatever therapy or psychology or something, and I'm like, Hell yeah, girl. Like <laughs> Yeah, and how she's like roasting that doctor. She's like, "Oh, so I'm not desirable? Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you!" And I was like, "This, I love this woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this woman is perfect." But that's uh, what I love but, is the movie doesn't stray away from things like that and from stories that aren't necessarily related to the direct like, like the the movie could just be about the protests and the sit-ins, but it's not. Yes, and I appreciate that it's not because it it is so much more, right? Like, and I love that they include the things like. About a camp full of crabs, you know what I mean? Like, oh my god! It's, and how they it's had normal to be summer like, camp. Everyone's just hooking up, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I love that one case. Like, I don't understand why I'm separated. My mm-hmm. mattress has been checked. I've been checked. I don't have it. Why am I still here with them? Yeah. Like, he's like, that doesn't make any sense. But I, I, back to point is like what you said about the documentary. Um, is that I they do focus on this massive issue of like society needs to change to help people with disabilities like Uh we make it more accessible for them Uh but during that like that is the overarching like story they're telling Uh um is that what happened there but they go down with each individual person and show like denise with the doctor right Uh like how that prejudice also exists and they also like touch on this stuff like throughout of like every like separate section they go like place they go to or like jobs they interact with have this prejudice and they're trying to like it's more of like a greater becomes like a greater society issue that needs to change and still needs to change mm-hmm. like the world is more accessible now but there is still accessible a lot of in infrastructure but more accessible yes. in minds and prejudice i'm not sure you know no th- thank you I, I meant infrastructure yeah but like how many people do you know and you don't need to name them but that <laughs> still use um ableist language 
like everyone. Yeah. Uh, similar with me. I don't anymore. Like I stopped about five years ago when mm-hmm. I was somebody, when I, when I found out or I can't, somebody, somebody told me that this is harmful and then you stop saying it because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But there a lot of people that I still know still use ableist language. Mm-hmm. And like it that still needs to change. Like it's certainly not done. And the movie doesn't say this is done. This movement is done either. It was like they they conquered like the first step mm-hmm. in getting it passed into legislation and actually have laws that are enforced. Mm-hmm. But, well, that's the thing. I mean, I do I I run in the arts, so <laughs> I do have a lot of very um uh, I hate this woke people in my life. Oh, um, are you woke? I would not say that I'm woke. Oh, but, um, is this a woke podcast? <laughs> it's too toxic. Say... Sorry, it's toxic. I gotta leave. Oh my god, I would. <laughs> I would say that. Uh, yeah, many many people in my life are very conscious of that. Um, some more than others, um, and I know a lot of them are working on various like making film festivals more accessible and that sort of thing um, to yeah. various communities. So yeah, I would not say all of them, but yeah, it's one of those ongoing learning things, right? And in this film, um, I mean, something that we're taught now in uh, like equity training and stuff is uh, person-first language, right? And I like that this movie introduced that as something that was first brought up in the 70s. And so the person-first language is, it's not a disabled person, it's a person with disabilities. Because they're a Mm -hmm. person, they're not their disability, right? So it's like a person with hearing impairment, not a deaf person. So that's something that Realistically, we should have figured it out by now because it's been uh, 50 years. But um, <laughs> but I do like that the movie, it brings it up then as something that most of us know now is how it should be. But it brings it up then as like one of the first times they were talking about it. And I do also appreciate that the movie included these incredibly uncomfortable 70s like news reports, which are basically, they're kind of like Twilight Zone discoveries that people with disabilities oh. exist. Like... Oh my God, it's so, it's painful. It's painful that like, even in those, they're like, they're so othered that they feel alien. Like it literally, the music behind it and oh my goodness, it's so bizarre. Yeah, like the editing is very good in this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially with like carving up the archival footage and to make like a coherent narrative to begin with anyway. And like finding all this stuff and like that this footage exists in the first place is kind of remarkable. There's incredible archival footage in this movie because if you think about it, the only thing that takes place now is the interviews. But everything else, news reports, camp footage, I don't even know how they got all the camp footage, to be honest, like who was filming things back then. And that it Um, it survived? Yes. And like, I would think that the only reason people are filming something back then would be to make a movie about it back then, you know? But it's like no one touched this stuff for years and years and years, and now we're making something. And, like, yeah, no, this movie has incredible archival footage. That's, that's why I would say as a documentary, it's very successful in that way. Yeah, it, and it's not a doc that needs to present both sides either, right? Like, it, it There is are not... no both sides. There's, there's how it should be. <laughs> yes, it is and... very much like this is the way it needs to be, and yeah. this is the wrong way, by mm-hmm. the way. Oh, like... There was a, as it like got out of the camp and became more about politics, mm-hmm. uh, there was, when when the first politician that you see is, they choose this person specifically because it's Richard Dixon mm-hmm. <laughs> and how they were, surprise, Republicans mm-hmm. uh, maybe are not the best people to be engaging with this community and listening to what they need. Because they're mm-hmm. like, it costs too much money. How many of how many of there are you actually? And it's just like, okay, 
this shit still happens now. Mm-hmm. Like that is the same fucking talking points. And I think mm-hmm. that is that is definitely on purpose in this film. Mm-hmm. And they also show that when Democrats get into power, it is the same issue. Yeah. And it's very much like they're just like it's con- it's like and this movie wants you to feel this way. And like I feel this way before this film like, is that it doesn't matter how much money this fucking costs. It has to be done because mm-hmm. it needs to be accessible for everybody. Like, what are we doing? They're humans. You can't be like, it's cost too much money because mm-hmm. they're still people. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point of this film. And it does a very good job of getting that across. And it is successful about that. But it mm-hmm. is when you get to that point, it is like rage inducing. I was like, so I was so angry when I was watching this. I was like, the same shit is still happening now. And this is in the 70s. That's the thing. We should have learned by now. But what I appreciate about the movie, too, they they really actually never hit you over the head with like, like, yes, there are the parallels that we draw. But I appreciate that they never spell things out for you, really, because oh, yeah, yeah. you realize that when they make the changes and what actually makes the change is like, yeah, governments are saying the same thing all the time. We don't have money. How many of you are there, basically, for whatever the cause is, be it um, folks with disabilities or queer folks or whatever. But it shows in this movie that the things that actually make change are people coming together in communities and finding their own communities are people being allies to that community. Like with Evan White, the reporter, like it shows how important allies that don't have disabilities are to this cause as well. Um, And also people speaking up like the fact that they have all these sit-ins and like, oh my goodness, they, they come across as like this army with superpowers. It's, I love that (laughs) when they're like, we couldn't get messages out but the folks who knew sign language. And I'm like, this is great. And like, what's crazy is even on their sit-ins, they were way more accessible than literally daily life for them because they're sitting there being like, okay, who can sleep on the ground? Who needs a chair? You know, like, Mm -hmm. how are their sit-ins more accessible than daily life? And yeah, the Black Panthers like coming in and being on their side and that sort of thing, that's allyship 101, really. It's like, we're a marginalized community. So are you. We don't have a lot, but we will share. If you, know? you raise, yeah, if if one marginalized community gets lifted, you all get lifted. That's the thing. With minorities, as individual groups, sure, they're minorities. But when you combine, they're not a minority anymore. No. And, yeah, I, the movie also ends happily. It doesn't end with the, like, when you're dealing with all the politics shit, which has made me angry, is that it, it does, it ends with, like, the passing of the bill and actual enforcement of it. Mm-hmm. Is that it is guaranteed? Like it's not just government facilities that have to do this. Everybody has to do this because the private profit-driven industry won't do it because there is like no incentive for mm-hmm. them to. It just costs money, and why would they ever do that? Why would they ever care? I appreciate that it left it on a high note, though, because it's like it had made its point. I think when documentaries end on like a low note, it's like they literally tear you down and leave you there, which I yeah. think is sometimes important. <laughs> but this one. They showed you joy. They they allowed you to look at people in a new way. And but they also made the points. Yeah. Like they made the parallels. We're sitting there being incredibly frustrated. And just leaving you like that would have would have sucked. But I liked that this movie kind of took it in a here's here's your homework, everyone. Here's your homework. And it was for me that one lady saying, like, I believe you to people's experiences and acknowledging people's experience and validating it, even if it's not necessarily true for you, it doesn't matter if it's true mm-hmm. for you. Someone says it's true for mm-hmm. them, so let's make a change. And I like that that's the note that this movie left you on because otherwise you would just kind of be destroyed and be like, well, everything sucks, so what's the point, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and 
I what I really appreciate about the ending is uh it does it goes on uh, once that they delivers that point it does move on to like these the people that we've been going through with the whole movie like gives you a little more info on their personal lives mm-hmm. and like who they actually are and you find out that um Denise and I'm forgetting her husband's name um who also has cerebral palsy Neil uh, Neil had a son mm-hmm. um and that he is the first person they've met that just that there is there has never been anything else but acceptance it's just mm-hmm. the way it is and they both they love him so much because of like even more than mm-hmm. that and then with judy they're like they go back to the where the camp would be it's gone now because it folded in the 70s and they have uh judy james denise and i'm forget they're they're the person that didn't have disabilities the camper was also there uh lionel lionel uh and then they have this moment of like them all meeting up again together and like going around the grounds and like reminiscing which i think is very powerful and a good mm-hmm. way to leave the movie is mm-hmm. that and it like it, it it also shows like the like, these people started with this when they were teenagers and now they're very old <laughs> they're and that's the thing again it's it, it could have hit you over the head with it but it didn't in that it's like they're all there reminiscing about how great it was and how they can see it all there still. But as an audience member, you're being like, it's been bulldozed. This mm-hmm. space doesn't exist anymore. We need to make more spaces like this. That's what that feels like. And yes. with Neil and Denise, they're talking about how their kid has only ever seen them one way and absolutely adores them and blah, blah, blah. And you can just listen to that and be like, that's nice, great. But what they don't hit you over the head with, but hopefully people get, is like these stereotypes and prejudices are not born this kid is not born being like, well, mom and dad are this way. You know, like the, the, it's it's learned behavior and it's behavior we need to unlearn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think this movie is completely deserving of being nominated for best documentary at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not. I've only ever I, I've only seen another one in there and I'm not going to directly compare which one is better. I'm not going to do that yet, but <laughs> it should also be nominated for editing because the cutting between mm-hmm. archival and current footage and archival to like passing, like not just like in a straight line, like it jumps around in time all the time, but you're never confused. Yeah. I always knew no. when everything was taking place and they didn't even really tell me the year. It just made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I would like it to been in there as well. Um, it is definitely better than some of the uh, fiction feature films that are nominated mm-hmm. for best picture. But I mean, docs never get there, unfortunately. No, this though, this was the first film from the Obama's production company. So I do look forward yes. to seeing what else they have to put out. Yeah, they. I, I don't know their executive producers, so I don't know how much influence mm-hmm. they, I, they, I, they probably had zero influence on the actual like product of the film as it kind of should be. Let the director do it, but I'm sure they put Oh, 100%. Their... Usually when it's someone's, um, that's exactly what it is. It's the same thing as like Reese Witherspoon's production company. It's like they get the scripts and they're the one who says, I'm going to put money into making this movie. And then that's that's where it ends. But it's like if they're picking stories like this to to showcase and to put money into, I'm very happy about that. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited about it as well. Also, you, also you don't see their names until what? Are they in the opening credits or at the end? Um, I think it might be at the beginning. But it's not like with fanfare. <laughs> no, and they're also not like the first names. They're like pretty far in, I think, to that opening credit yeah. sequence. But yeah, I, I know they put their wealth and uh, influence and fame behind this to get this movie, a, a, to get it to Netflix and to get it bought. 
and then to help mm-hmm. with like the rollout and i'm sure since they're behind it it's going to get a way bigger push mm-hmm. um which i am glad i'm that is i'm excited if that's the way they're going about doing stuff that's incredibly exciting to me because mm-hmm. you know when you heard about their netflix deal i was like is it just going to be like talk shows <laughs> and they're just going to be like yeah, yeah. barack and michelle and their friends <laughs> which people would still watch but is very uninteresting to me yeah for sure uh, where can people find you, Carolyn? You can find me uh, at carolyndunk93 on Instagram and Twitter. And where can they find you, James? At James underscore Willicks on Twitter, at James Willicks on Instagram. And you can find this podcast on all places. You can send us an email at letswatchpod at gmail.com. And the next, for your consideration, we're covering is Wolfwalkers, a story about my family. 